Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf, where we continue our November mailbag. Alex, getting into the holiday spirit. Yeah, and our first question, maybe not so in the holiday spirit, talking about which of the Knicks' young players the Knicks should prioritize going forward, who they should keep, who they should potentially look to move off of eventually, and what we want the Knicks' style of play to be going forward. Then talk about Isaiah Hartenstein and if he's fallen out of favor enough with Tibbs that maybe Jericho Sims should just be the backup center and then talk about favorite Knicks uh, basketball and non-basketball Christmas memories, I guess we should say. So a little bit of both. So that's coming up next on locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, Try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. And we, if you didn't know, we are now available on all platforms. That includes on YouTube. So certainly go check us out there. But who, who will you be watching? You'll be watching uh, myself. That was poorly phrased. Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, my partner in crime, Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at the strick.land. This is Locked On Knicks. This is a Locked On Knicks mailbag. We're kind of known for them. And our first question is a great one from the legend LC Hunt at LC Hunt 2 on Twitter. And LC wants to know, as it will be contract time for all the youngins soon, who fits your ideal style of play? Who are you trading? And who would you trade for to complement that style? Alex, the floor is yours. I mean, honestly, I feel like all of them kind of in their own special way fit a style of play that I could get behind. Like that's kind of the frustrating part of watching the Knicks right now is that you see players that are sopping up minutes that aren't guys that you necessarily like their play style and they're blocking young players whose play style you do like, at least in my case, Um, you know, if I'm looking at the, the roster of young players right now, you have obviously RJ Barrett. I, I think weirdly, with how he's been playing lately is maybe the one guy that I have the most second thoughts about, I guess, which if you told me I'd be saying that 20 games in uh, prior to the season, I would have been like, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, What weird future have you come from? But I mean, I think with RJ, it's mostly I I've been unhappy overall this year with the fact that he seems to be just kind of determined to shoot himself out of slumps and have that be his whole identity of like, I have to score or else I don't do anything for this team where I would love to see him default more to like, okay, the shot's not going down. I would like to, you know, pass more this game or, you know, I'll just focus all my energy on defense and then just kind of look to keep the ball moving on offense during this game and, and, 
pass it to Jalen Brunson or whoever happens to be hot this game. So I think that's led to a little bit of, of a feeling of like cautious pessimism, I guess, if that's a thing uh, for me with RJ so far this year. And that's still, even with all that considered, I still have very little reservations about saying like, I think that he could still figure it out and be a player that's truly worth keeping and building around for a long time with the Knicks. If he could just straighten some of that stuff out as far as the rest of the guys, I mean like Emmanuel quickly, Cam Reddish, Mitchell Robinson, uh, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Jericho Sims, Deuce McBride, even like I love so many things about how those guys play that I could realistically see. Like if you were, if you handed me the Knicks tomorrow and were like, Hey, what do you want to do with all these guys? I might reluctantly include one or two of them in a trade if it meant landing a much bigger player, you know. It, but as far as just guys to build out a roster that have good modern day NBA skill sets, I think they're all fantastic. Like they all bring something to the table uh, that I would like to keep. Like, I, I guess I'll throw it to you first, Gavin, to kind of start getting into it a little bit. But the Knicks have done a really good job of drafting NBA ready players that do NBA level things, mm-hmm. which sounds so like an overly simplified way of putting it. But, you know, they, they haven't found that like diamond in the rough, like superstar player, at least not that we know of yet. You know, some of them haven't necessarily been given the opportunities and the green light to do that. If they, if it is in them, like an Obi Toppin or a Emmanuel quickly, but, no matter what they've proven, like we could draft NBA ready role players, like from day one and all these guys are, and there's no reason for me to sit here and say, like, I don't think I would want these guys on my team going forward because all of them provide something that is very useful in the current NBA, whether it's elite defense, three point shooting, you know, pushing the pace, ball handling, whatever it is that you want, you could find that mix among the Knicks young players. And for that reason, I have a really hard time looking at this and being like, Oh, I don't think I want one of these guys on the team long-term or something. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I kept it very simple for mine. Uh, the trade was one we referenced um, earlier this week. Uh, if you missed it in a, in another uh, mailbag episode, which was uh, Julius Randall going to Phoenix for uh, Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. Um, but there are a lot of different iterations that you could do. I mean, you, you had the one with Julius Randall going to Sacramento for Harrison Barnes and, and kind of um, NBA debris. Uh, that would work as well. Um, so what my rotation would look like uh, in this new world for the New York Knicks, uh, and I'll get into style of play a little, a little bit later on, but at point guard, I would have Jalen Brunson playing 34 minutes. Emmanuel quickly playing 12 minutes at shooting guard. I'd have Quentin Grimes playing 30 minutes, Emmanuel quickly playing 16 minutes. So if you're adding up Emmanuel quickly up to 28 minutes a night, uh, small forward, I would actually have Cam Reddish starting. And and this would be liable to change if, if RJ kind of got everything together and dramatically improved his efficiency. But right now I, I I don't really have any qualms about saying this. I think Cam Reddish is clearly the better basketball player. So Cam would start Uh, RJ gets 22 minutes at small forward. Cam gets 26 at power forward. I've OB at 26 um, I have veteran backup X to be named later, whether that's Jay Crowder, whether that's Dario Saric, whether that's Harrison Barnes or someone else you get in a hypothetical Julius Randle trade. I don't really mind all that much. That guy's playing 16 minutes. Um, and then I have RJ playing six minutes at power forward because I, I wanted the, the whole point of that is I want 
22 minutes a night where you have kind of a nominal small ball four in there. Um, and this was a tweet that was a very conveniently time from our guy, uh, Ace Zulo, um, a little bit earlier tonight where he noted uh, correctly um, that you look at some of the better teams and franchises in the NBA, they have a tendency to play a, a bigger, more physical three at the four more often than not. I mean, the Celtics offense that is – quite literally on track, I I think still as of today, to be the best in NBA history. They're playing Jason Tatum 70% of their minutes. Uh, Jimmy Butler plays 52% of his minutes at power forward uh, for the Miami Heat. Paul George is at 21% of his minutes at power forward. Mikhail Bridges at 20% of his minutes at power forward. To me, this is, it's such an obvious path for the Knicks to modernize is throwing an RJ Barrett at the four um, or or Cam Reddish at the four, though he's a little light for it. Um, And I think that would dramatically uh, improve R.J. Barrett's efficiency. At center, I have Mitchell Robinson at 24 minutes. Jericho Sims at 12. Isaiah Hartenstein at 12. Um, I, I just think those two guys both bring good things. I think ultimately you'd want to go with one or another, but for now, I don't mind the three-man rotation at center. Uh, Alex, I want to get more into style of play for that group, but I want to give you a chance to respond first. But you know what, man? Sometimes making big moves in life, even even, even when they're good ones, they, they scare people. And when Some people, when they feel fear, they sweat. And people, a lot of times, don't want to sweat. I don't know if that was too much of a stretch, but what is a way people can stop all that from happening? Well, you know, it's I'm about to be put on the spot, too, and I'm, I'm already sweating just at the thought, uh, you know, of having to answer a question and talk on a podcast. I never do that. I never talk on a podcast, so it's, it's very nerve-wracking for me. Definitely getting really sweaty. It's a good thing that I've been using sweat block. Oh, I can. Yeah. So I can, I could be without the sweat during this. Honestly, though, for real, I'm, I'm a very sweaty person. I hate it about myself. It's like one of the biggest things that I have self-consciousness about. Uh, I hot weather months are hell for me. I am just constantly sweating even the months now, arguably even worse, because a lot of times I'm still sweating, even though it's like 40 degrees outside and nobody else is sweating. I'll randomly just start sweating uh, because of one situation or another. It's just not a fun time unless I'm wearing sweat block, in which case I don't sweat so much. It's great. Uh, I was really able to fix my problem with sweat block. I've tried it. It really works. It has gotten me through a lot of interesting situations i uh famously at least for people that listen to this podcast the first time around when we had sweat block as a sponsor i used it uh for my friend's wedding that was in like 100 degree heat during the summer with no air conditioning and managed to uh not sweat and die during that so sweat block has really saved my butt more than once and it, it gives you the confidence to wear what you want you don't have to worry about embarrassing sweat and Sweatblock wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ratio by firefighters. So if you don't believe me in 100 degree heat, trust firefighters in multiple 100 degree heat. And it, it keeps you from sweating. It's great. So if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, be sure to try Sweatblock. You can save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. And it's also available on Amazon. And we are back to locked on Nick's and of course, as usual, we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. For your second listen, be sure to check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the most, uh, to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Sometimes those local experts are Gavin and I. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we are back now to continue our discussion. Gavin, you kind of you kind of threw to me with the the whole uh, rotation that you had there, and in general what you're looking to see from the team going forward. And like I'm with you, I I think the big thing for me right now is with this team. I feel like there's so much potential for something here, mm-hmm. and I guess maybe my only my only qualm with your rotation would be I would love to find a few minutes for deuce somehow. I don't know exactly how that can happen, but I do really love like IQ and deuce really do, do make some magic uh, on the defensive end together when they're just harassing the crap out of the opposing backcourt. So I guess that's my only thing as usual, even with the team as it currently stands, it's, it's hard to find minutes for every guy that you want to find minutes for. Uh, so I don't have a huge problem with that. I I think like the big thing going forward is just I feel like I need to see this team with a new coach. Like it, the thing with this team and and this is probably this goes kind of more towards the like schematic part of of this uh this question of like what how do you want the Knicks to play going forward? I want them to play fa- I this sounds so generic but like sorry it's the truth. I want them to play fast. I want them to put their players in better positions to shoot uncontested threes so that they can make them. Um, I want them to run more pick and roll, which they don't run enough of, in my opinion. Like I just find like pretty much phase out ISO ball, unless it's Jalen Brunson and it's like the end of the game and you just need someone to go get a bucket, basically phase that out, like run everything as sets. You don't need to like have, Assuming that Julius isn't on the team, which the, uh, and for the purpose of this exercise, we are because then you can, you know, focus on an Obi Toppin or whatever. You know, don't have a Julius Randle type isoing the crap out of the ball. Don't have RJ Barrett doing that because I don't think that's a great role for him. Don't even have Jalen Brunson doing it on a consistent basis. Only keep that as like an option for when you need it. And instead, just like, run pick and roll, try to generate, you know, good three point shots with off ball movement. Like this is what some of the best teams in the NBA do, I think. So that's thing one thing two is be more versatile on defense and don't only play drop. Although I think the drop makes a lot of sense. And I think that Mitchell Robinson is great at it. And when he's at his best with that burst that he can make up for that, that extra space that he leaves and still contest like a three pointer that a guy thinks is open until Mitch jumps and suddenly has his hand right there. And the guys to alter his shot. Like he's great at that style of defense. So keep that going while Mitch is out there. But if you throw a smaller lineup out there, which I think under a new coach, the Knicks probably would do more often with like Obi at the five or the four, or whatever you want to call it. RJ at the, at the four for a bit you know, shift Obi down or run like Jericho Sims out there. Who's a little more like switchy, that kind of thing. Play a switchy style of defense every once in a while. If the situation, you know, dictates it play zone every once in a while. If the situation dictates it, like I think the Knicks are built with a lot of guys, at least on paper, very versatile in the young core. So RJ Barrett, you know, can play up or down a couple positions. Uh, Cam Reddish, I think in theory, if you have him out there could, potentially guard one to five for stretches. I don't think that you would want him guarding like Joel Embiid, but you know, if you're playing like the Warriors and they have Draymond Green out there and Cam Reddish gets 
you know, switched on to him, no big deal. Like that's fine. He can, it's not like Draymond's going to like be able to back him down and like totally abuse him in the post or something. Um, you know, you have Quentin Grimes, who I think is pretty well switchy from like one to three and potentially one to four, again, depending on who that four is. Like, take advantage of that with certain lineups. And really, this all just kind of comes back to the coach. And we're going to need to see a, a different coach other than Tibbs come in here and, and try new things because that's kind of the big thing. So really, it's like coming back to the, the crux of the question. Like, I really do think that the Knicks have so many talented young players on the team. I just don't think they're necessarily being utilized the right way. And that kind of holds them back in many ways. And so I, I think a new coach could do wonders to, to solving those sort of problems. Yeah. I'm, I I'm with you. Uh, I've similar suggestions. Uh, I think the big thing with Mitch playing drop is to me, it's, it's even more about Jalen Brunson than it is about Mitchell Robinson where you just, and, and look, if the Knicks ever get into uh postseason basketball i mean teams are going to find a way to uh victimize jalen brunson anyways and go after him one-on-one but you want to minimize those situations uh as much as possible and i think a mitch playing drop versus playing a more switch heavy scheme allows you to do that um so i think that is to protect jalen as much as it is um for mitch um though though mitch is I, I think clearly better in drop at this point uh but to your point when you when you go to the bench um, and, and maybe you, you have Deuce as, as a curveball on, on, on certain nights and certain matchups. I mean, I always go back to that Nets game from last year where we saw, I mean, a Deuce and IQ, just like a pair of piranhas trapping in the corner and then Sims rotating in behind them and, and, and taking a charge or, or coming in for a swipe. And, and this team, their greatest asset with the bench, I think, is their speed. And then with guys like Grime and, Grimes, Reddish, and IQ, their length and their hands and their ability to – make like I, I guess I guess event creation is the best way to frame it and I, I want a coach who leans hard into that um when the bench lineup is in the game and, and and I think that's ultimately the best way to drive transition is, is to have guys that are constantly poking the ball away and constantly playing passing lanes and honestly Emmanuel quickly and Cam Reddish they're two of the better guys in the whole NBA in that and and Quentin Grimes is one of the players in the NBA that is is best at stripping the basketball out of someone coming right by him um, so that combination of those guys playing heavier minutes, as I suggested, I, I think is a big deal. Um, I want Quentin Grimes and Andrew quickly and Obi Toppin each putting up at least six three pointers per game. That would put all of them in the top 50 in the NBA. You know, who's currently shooting six three pointers in the NBA and the New York Knicks, Alex, uh, Julius Randall is, uh, so I'm okay with that being, uh, redistributed to three guys who I think with the right volume have a chance to be 40% three point shooters. Um, I want Emmanuel quickly, uh, when he's off the ball to be used more like a Steph Curry and to be in constant motion. And at this point, he's not a shooter that will, uh, I mean, no one, no one is the kind of shooter that will attract Steph like attention, but I, I think he can be a version of that. And I think you can weaponize his playmaking by having him catch the ball already having a step on a defender instead of him just having to create at a static situations, which is largely what we get in Tim's offense. I want, even though I have OB starting in this scenario, I want him to be running a much more pick and roll and getting some time with Isaiah Hardenstein off the bench or even Jericho Sims in a big that could provide some nominal spacing. And you actually let OB be a role man. I, I don't care how big, how good of a three-point shooter he becomes. He needs more reps as a role man because that, that is still, at least in my mind, his number one skill and, and something he has barely gotten to do throughout his NBA career. 
Um, yeah, and I think I think this is just a call from both of us to play more modern basketball. And I, I think if, if there's if there's a theme everyone should take out of this, it's that the Knicks have really flexible um, wing talent, and they have some of the smarter players, some of the smarter young players, I should say, in the NBA in terms of their ability to cut and play team basketball. And they have a style that doesn't take advantage of that at all. And I, I would like for that to uh, change. Pretty dramatic. We're going to take a quick break and just remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. This will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge ooh, The Office on UK Netflix previously uh on netflix in the u.s famously but now only in, on, in the uk it's so simple to do you just sign into netflix fire up the express vpn app change your location to the uk refresh netflix and that is it express vpn lets you control where you want sites to think you're located so you could choose from almost 100 different countries and just imagine all the netflix libraries you can go through if you love korean dramas use express vpn to parasite off of south korean netflix with your Netflix subscription. Oh, I love the sad read. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, perhaps even NBA League Pass. You name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. And you could stream in HD no problem. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices. Phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. All right, Alex, uh, one final segment. And, you know, it can't be a mailbag without our dude, Jordan Bub, who who has a uh, a Kobe in his prime esque volume of, of shots he gets up in these mailbags. You got to give him credit. Uh, handles at Bub Jordan, and he wants to know with I with iHeart struggling on defense and uh, misusing his skills on offense. Totally agree with that, Jordan. What is stopping Tibbs from making Jericho Sims the backup center to Mitchell Robinson? I think that's a totally fair question because if the Knicks are not going to use Isaiah Hardenstein as Isaiah Hardenstein, and they're going to try and essentially use him as Nerlens Noel. Jericho Sims is better at being Nerlens Noel than Isaiah Hardenstein is. Yeah, it, it's just so bizarre too, right? How Tibbs, almost like we talk about how players regress sometimes, Tibbs tends to regress as a coach a lot. And Hardenstein has been one of the main, like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like the main like bellwether or whatever. Yeah, am I using that right? Like one of the main things this year of showing Tibbs regressing as a coach as the year goes on, like he was, he had him playing an interesting style of ball to start the year. Like, oh, we're going to use this guy passing out of the high post and, you know, shooting three pointers, like spacing the floor a little bit. And now it's just kind of like, yeah, he's just there to do exactly what Mitch does, except for he's not that great at doing what Mitch does. And that's the problem. And or, or what Nerlens Noel did or whatever. So, yeah, it, like if that's all that Tibbs is going to do for Hartenstein is say, go out there and play the way that I want you to play. And we're just going to ignore all these other things you're really good at, like passing. 
then why not throw Sims out there? Because to your point, yes, yeah, Sims does a lot of the stuff that like Mitch does. Like he, he's a lob threat on offense. He's a really great rebounder on both sides of the ball. He, you know, has a big body. He like to box guys out. Uh, he's not as good of a shot blocker, but I think he's shown more propensity for shot blocking this year so far. And so I think we both feel pretty confident that he could be like a decent minute backup center at some point in his career. Maybe this is the time that he does it, but it seems like a huge waste of money and a huge waste of a potential diverse look, uh, you know, for your offense and potentially defense with Hartenstein to just kind of decide to make Sims the backup. But yeah, to your point, if Hartenstein's going to continue to be shoehorned into that role, Sims makes more sense to be shoehorned into that role. So an imperfect answer to an imperfect question. Thanks to the imperfect coach. But mm. yeah, I think that's kind of the case for me right now. A chain of imperfection. I, I, I can't phrase it any better than that. So I won't try to, um, our final question comes from, uh, Alex smiley face at anxious and one on Twitter. Christmas is coming favorite basketball and non basketball Christmas memories. Uh, I, I don't know, as, as as the Jewish guy on this podcast, Alex, I don't know if I can justify going first here, but so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Uh, what, what are your favorite uh, Christmas memories, basketball, not basketball? Um, so basketball-wise, we were talking about this before the show, and I looked at this question, and I was like, I don't really have that many great basketball memories on Christmas, if I'm being honest, at least not like in terms of um, the, Knicks. the Knicks specifically. Uh, I So... I, I've definitely brought this up on the podcast before, but I didn't, I don't come from like a family of like basketball heads, you know, like people that like eat, sleep, breathe basketball. Like I'm kind of like the first of my kind in like my family. So like my dad and his side of the family don't really love basketball much. My one uncle kind of does. He and I talk hoops quite a bit, but um, like my dad specifically doesn't. And then like my mom and, and my stepdad, neither of them like basketball much. They're very into football. That's pretty much it. Um, so I never really had much exposure to it. So honestly, for like the longest part of my life, I like Christmas Day basketball wasn't even really on my radar because like as a kid, my mom and and her side of the family and everything, like everything was like very bouncing around all day on Christmas kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I wasn't exactly having much time in front of the TV to just like chill and watch a basketball game. Uh, so I wasn't even really ever like aware that it was a thing until like around the time when I started independently, like getting super into the Knicks, which was like my early twenties, like that first Amari year after the the summer of LeBron. And it, it had started a little bit the year prior to that, like in the buildup to the summer of LeBron. But then that year was the first year when the Knicks became like, kind of like appointment television for me. So that's like kind of where my Christmas memories start for the Knicks. So around like 12, 13 years ago now. And uh, I mean, they've not been great <laughs> from a basketball perspective. All I remember basically are the bad ones. Like the one that sticks out in my mind is the uh, uh, one of the mellow years. I forget which year. I want to say it was 13, 14 when they had those awful sleeve jerseys and they the Christmas versions are even worse than the normal awful jerseys where like the Knicks ones look like orange pajamas which I just kind of fits because everybody like gets up in their pajamas and opens Christmas presents that celebrates on Christmas. So cool. Um, 
but they just got absolutely walloped. And I remember I was like at my uncle's house, like doing some Christmas stuff. And I was like insistent that we turn the game on. And then I was like, at like halftime, I was like, you guys can turn this off. And they were like, no, no, we want to leave it on now. Just make you suffer. And I was like, ah, all right, fine. Cause my, my one cousin is a Celtics fan. And so he always, we have a lot of back and forth, not great in my favor, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I, I guess, my most potent Christmas memory for the Knicks. The rest was pretty forgettable. Other than, of course, the unforgettable Kemba Walker triple-double last year, which will live on in Knicks fans' <laughs> minds forever. Raise the banner. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you have any, like, Christmas Knicks memories you want to add. Then I can get into just my regular Christmas memories, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, not really. Uh, I, I vaguely remember that 2011 win uh, against the Celtics, which I think was – or 2012 against the Celtics. So, really vague, obviously, um, which was Mellow's, if I'm correct, uh, lone Christmas Day win ever uh, where he just had a monster game. Knicks pulled it out at the end. Tony Douglas, uh, na- name of names, uh, contributed uh, once Nick O was a Nick. And uh, but non non Knicks just general Christmas basketball memories. The the Kobe LeBron battles every year were always really cool, just because I, we all obviously always wanted that to be the finals, and we never got it. So I'd kind of look forward to that date of like, all right, I'm clearing out time, and I'm just gonna watch the two best players in the world go at it. And even though I was I was certainly more of a LeBron guy than a Kobe guy, it was cool to see Kobe get the better of those matchups a, a decent amount. Um, at least at least in my memory. Um, and, and just, just the gamesmanship Kobe had, and you could tell, I, I think it over time raised LeBron's intensity and raised him as a competitor to have someone like Kobe who was close enough. And maybe the only guy in the world who was close enough from a talent perspective to say, Hey, if you don't bring your a plus game, like I'm going to kick your butt. Um, so that was really cool. And then I always, I, I love whenever we got Cavs warriors at Christmas, um, when, uh, LeBron and Kyrie beat them, uh, the year, uh, Katie's first season, and it was a small glimmer of hope. Oh, wow, maybe this team is vulnerable. And then, of course, the Warriors won in five in the finals. But just a cool moment. So some some cool non-Knicks Christmas moments. Uh, as far as general Christmas moments, uh, I, I've never uh, never celebrated uh, before. But I have always liked uh, the, the the Jewish tradition of, of uh, with my dad, ordering some Chinese food um, and uh, going and seeing a movie, which I've also done with friends before. And that's, that's always a lot of fun. And, and you, you go into a restaurant, it's completely empty. You go into a theater, it's almost completely empty. There's something, it, it just, it feels like you got a, you got a weird half day from school for some reason. And I always, I always like that feeling. Yeah. I used to, uh, I would say mine, my favorite memories. I mean, growing up as someone who did celebrate Christmas always is just like, I mean, you hate to, distill it to this but like the presence and the the feeling of coming down i i'll say like i i always speak with like great appreciation for this like my mom is a huge holidays person whether it's like your like christmas your birthday whatever the case may be is always like concerned with making sure that you have like the best day possible uh so she always went all out and even when she and my stepdad like early on in their relationship did not have a super great financial situation, but always went out of their way to always make Christmas special. Uh, I always, I always was super appreciative of that. Uh, and you know, the fact that they would go all out to, you know, ensure that, that I, I had a nice day, uh, and, you know, had some Legos to play with or whatever. Uh, like that was, I, I got Legos a lot for Christmas. I was a big Legos kid. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was big. And then, 
like maybe the only benefit of growing up in a, a broken household is that you get two Christmases if you celebrate with both of them. So then, you know, I get done at my mom's, they go to my dad's and go open up more presents and get more cool stuff. So that was always cool too, getting a build up uh, two Christmas lists, get the the double cash in. That would like literally, <laughs> that's like the only thing you go to school and like brag about having divorced parents for is like, oh, I get two Christmases. So that's pretty yeah. dope. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get like double the presents you do. So suck it um (laughs) enjoy your harmonious household (laughs) yeah enjoy your nuclear family where your parents didn't split up and you don't have to like have every other weekend with one of your parents but you know um at least i get double the presents you do (laughs) so that worked out pretty good so yeah those are probably my favorite christmas memories but all in all like both my parents i I gave my mom a lot of credit there my dad same deal like always Mm. wanted to make christmas special and and uh you know ensure that i got what i wanted or whatever and always had had a good day so that's what i always appreciated maybe someday if i become a parent that's something that i hope to pass on to my kids is like you know giving them a nice christmas nice holidays whatever so yeah those are my favorite general christmas memories but on that note we're not even in december yet as we're recording this so yeah maybe this is a bit premature yeah this is this is if we if i keep talking about christmas i want to remember that i only have like maybe half my shopping done and I need to do a lot more over the next like 30 days. So <laughs> all right, so we'll, wrap we'll up end there. this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we'll wrap up here before I get into a bit of a crisis. Uh, so thank you all for listening to Locked on Knicks. We'll be back with more great episodes for you guys. Uh, lots of game recaps and stuff. By the time you're listening to this, I might be on vacation for a week. So uh, Gavin will hold it down. Uh, with some some good guests, I'm sure, and everything with some game recaps and all that. Uh, but we will talk to you guys all soon. Peace out. <laughs>